The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It is Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Uh, Again, it is Rivalry Wednesday, which means uh, we're going to be talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about the Georgia Bulldogs. Plus, we'll be talking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central, uh, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide and what in the world is happening 2.0. I mean, this is going to be two weeks in a row where we talk to Austin about what in the heck is happening in Tuscaloosa? Who's playing quarterback? Is this team any good? Is the Saban dynasty over? That's what we'll be talking about with Austin. So it should be a great show today. Hope you're doing well on another nice day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Wednesday, September 20th, 2023 Uh, we are inside the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio a reminder that the plaza bar and lounge is your tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog-friendly Plaza patio while keeping up with all of the other football action leading up to kickoff in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road, the Plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every single weekday. Don't forget about the Sunday brunch before you leave town on on Sundays, the Plaza Bar and Lounge, your pregame stop in Auburn. So be sure you check them out. We appreciate them being the sponsor of the studio here between 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 1067. Lots to discuss today. Want to talk about some of the notes we took at practice yesterday for Auburn football. Uh, lots of good injury updates for Auburn. I know there's a lot of injuries, but um, based off of what I saw yesterday, I'm hoping there's some good news there. Um, I'm hoping that maybe it's not as bad as we originally thought. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, here on the show today. As I mentioned, we'll talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, get you caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs as they get a nice win over South Carolina, a comeback win over South Carolina as the Dogs prepare uh, for, I believe, UAB this weekend uh, for their fourth game of the season. Then coming up in hour number two, we'll start taking a look at some of the big games this weekend in college football as we get into Wednesday. Time to really start flipping our focus to week four of college football. Looking at some of those big matchups this weekend, uh, it's the biggest weekend by far uh, of the season to this point. And it could end up being one of the best weekends of college football all season long. I'm really excited to to look at those games and talk to you about them and and of course watch them 
uh, this weekend. So we'll start taking a look at those uh, for college football in week four. And then, as I mentioned as well, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us on the phone lines in hour number two and uh, give us his thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide, a team that he predicted at the beginning of the year would win the national championships we'll see how his pick is feeling right about now um as the the tide are two and one and gotta find a way to rally against Ole Miss this weekend so that's what's on the schedule for today um until we get to the phone lines for Jordan Hill we can get to the phone lines with you I would love to hear what you're uh, thinking about want to talk about on a Wednesday afternoon 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to me again that number is 334-321-1390 what's on your mind on a Wednesday afternoon how are you feeling uh, about Auburn right now how are you feeling about the game coming up against Texas A&M already had a couple of predictions come through early this week uh, about Auburn and Texas A&M this weekend so what are your thoughts on the team as of right now um, on the game coming up this weekend as of right now um, of course so much could change uh, between now and Saturday but what are your thoughts on it and just how big of a game is this this weekend for Auburn against Texas A&M? Give me a call. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And as we get into um, what we saw yesterday at practice, as we always have been saying throughout this season, we are very, especially me, very, very thankful for um, head coach Hugh Freeze and the entire coaching staff for allowing us to go over once a week during the week um, and get 30 minutes of a viewing window of practice because that doesn't happen everywhere folks that doesn't happen everywhere and it hasn't always happened at Auburn and so I'm very thankful for that opportunity are we getting to see the most exciting electric parts of practice no we're not and there's obvious reasons for that but a big reason we do go and the big reason that it's important that we get this time is we get a chance to get some updates on injuries. And I talked a lot about this yesterday because it is a major concern for Auburn right now. The injury bug has, has gone around this locker room and there are double-digit guys that are dealing with some sort of injury right now for Auburn football. And so... We got the chance yesterday um, to go to practice and see if these guys were going to be out there, see who was in practice, who was in pads, uh, if they were going at full strength, if they were going at full speed. Um, Some obvious ones that would not be out there, Keontae Scott, who had surgery on Monday, um, and then Austin Keys, who is dealing and recovering from surgery uh, from a couple of weeks ago. So those two guys were obviously not there. But I had a list going into practice yesterday. Let's see. Two, four, six, eight. I had 10 guys that I was looking for yesterday in Auburn's practice to see again if they were out there, if they were in pads, and if they were going full strength, full speed. I'm pleased to report that everybody on my list, from what I could see and from my vantage point and the little bit of practice we saw, everybody was out there. And everybody seemed to be going at normal, normal practice speed. Um, I think that is a that's a very, very good report. The list that includes Cam Stutz, Tuchal Miller on the offensive line. Both of those guys 
did not finish the game this past weekend against Samford. Two starters on the offensive line that didn't finish the game. They were in practice yesterday. And again, from what I could see, they were practicing just fine, practicing normal. I'm going through the certain drills that they were doing at the time we were there. Jalen McLeod and Larry Nixon, both of those guys were out there and practicing and and doing their, their linebacker drills. That is a really good thing for Auburn on the defensive side of the football because we know that it feels like the defensive side has been hit harder with the injuries than the offensive side, especially with Keontae Scott and Austin Keys being injured and out for the foreseeable future. And you look at guys like Jalen McLeod and Larry Nixon who have been playing slash haven't been playing and hasn't been a lot. So they were in practice yesterday, which was good. Donovan Kaufman, who Hugh Freeze talked about on Monday in his weekly press conference, said that he expects him to be ready to go, um, expects him to be available and playing versus Texas A&M this weekend. I think that is really, really good news as well because we've heard and slightly seen some really, really good things about Donovan Kaufman. And I'm excited to hopefully get him on the field and watch him go to work, especially since he plays that star position where Keontae Scott will not be on Saturday. He was out there. Nehemiah Pritchett was in practice, which is good. And I'm here's the thing with Nehemiah. He is such a good player. He is such a good player. And Auburn needs him to be playing in the back end of this defense. And while they've gotten away with it the first three weeks of not having full strength in the secondary, if Auburn doesn't show up and play this Saturday and doesn't show up and play in the back end of the defense in pass protection, you better watch out because Texas A&M was going to throw it all over the yard if you don't. So having a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett, if he can come back and play this weekend and play for the foreseeable future, that's a massive, massive benefit for Auburn as they enter SEC play because you're going to go up against teams that like to throw the ball. Texas A&M, Georgia, because their running game is struggling right now. Ole Miss, LSU. Your next four games are against teams that love to throw the football. And so if you can get your senior in Nehemiah Pritchett back, get him in there, get him comfortable, and let him get back to work, that's a huge, huge deal. You've got J.D. Rem back there, who has played really, really good football through three weeks. But being able to bring your senior, Nehemiah Pritchett, back would be huge this Saturday. And he's been on the sidelines. He just hasn't played. Which tells me he's not quite ready yet. But he was in practice yesterday. Some other guys that were out in practice yesterday, they were there practicing Nick Mardner looked really good, the big receiver for Auburn. He's been practicing since we've had access. He just hasn't played, and he's looked a little slower, uh, limp at times in practice, and you could just tell he wasn't quite there yet. But I think Nick Mardner looked the best he's looked so far, and that was yesterday in practice. And it would be massive if Auburn could get him back. He's the tallest receiver on the team. He's the tallest one. He's 6'6". 
That's massive. Besides Brandon Frazier, the tight end, who's 6'7". But Nick Marner's 6'6", 206, 205 pounds. He doesn't have a whole lot of weight for that big 6'6 frame, but he's tall, he's lengthy, he's speedy, and he can do some damage catching the football. So how much will he play on Saturday? I have no idea. I have no idea. But what I can tell you is he looked faster, he looked better yesterday than he has all season long so far. And if you can throw another guy into that wide receiver room, a room that's still developing, right? We've talked about that. We've talked about that a lot on this show. How Auburn is still trying to figure out who their wide receivers are. We know Jay Fair. We know Javarius Johnson, who was out at practice yesterday. He was there practicing, and he was one of those that we were concerned with some injuries. He was there practicing yesterday, and I heard Dan mention this on the drive yesterday, and it was a really good point. Javarius Johnson and Jay Fair were doing some work together, running routes at the same time. We haven't seen a whole lot of that this season in-game. And I know that it's hard to play both of those guys because – they play in that same spot but Hugh Freeze has already talked about how Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson are the best receivers on the team you've got to find a way to get them on the field you have to find a way to get your two best receivers if that's what your head coach is saying you've got to find a way to get them on the field and I know they like to play play that same spot same position outside but find a way I I don't care how you do it Find a way to get your two best receivers on the field. Our buddy Jack Hudden brings up a great point. He just texted me, and he said, it's odd that Camden Brown hasn't caught one yet. I agree. I absolutely agree. And Camden Brown practiced yesterday. He wasn't a guy that was on my list. But Camden Brown's a guy that's playing behind Shane Hooks, who, who has looked really, really good so far. But coming into the year, a lot of people were hyped up about Camden Brown, and and, and rightfully so, because he was borderline Auburn's best receiver last year on a team that wasn't all that great. But Camden Brown can be a really effective player. You've got to find a way to get him involved as well. So it was good to see Nick Mardner out there. It was good to see Javarius Johnson out there as well. Also, Luke Deal was out there. And we know that he got banged up on Saturday as well. So bad news that we talked about yesterday is Auburn's got a lot of guys on injury watch. Good news today is that I saw, I think, all of them practice yesterday. Now, as I've said every single week, and I will continue to say, just because they practice doesn't mean they're going to play. Doesn't mean they're ready to play. And especially this week. This is not Samford. This is not UMass. This is SEC football that you're playing this weekend. And if one of these or multiple of these guys are not ready to play, are not healthy enough to play, the risk is too great to play them. Because if their injury is lingering and they go and play SEC football, guess what? there's a really good chance they're going to re-injure it or injure themselves even more and then they're going to be out for even longer. And you hate it because some of these guys you have to have. You have to have these guys this weekend to have a chance to win the football game. I look at Cam Stutz. I look at Jalen McLeod. I look at Larry Nixon. 
I look at Nehemiah Pritchett. I look at Javarius Johnson. Those guys have to play this weekend. But you don't want to risk wins down the road, and you definitely don't want to risk their health down the road to play them on Saturday and try to get a win against Texas A&M. But the good news is they practiced yesterday. How much does that truly mean? We're going to find out. We'll find out if they play or not, if they're effective or not, or if they're sidelined and we have to wait another week and, and get some more updates. But that's what I can tell you from practice yesterday. Um, other than that, not a whole lot that we saw. We normally don't get to see um, anything super crazy when it comes to plays or game planning or anything like that. So, um, But I am happy to, to talk about it and tell you what I saw when it comes to the injury front because, look, I'm still concerned. I'm still worried about it. Maybe not as much for this Saturday anymore, but moving forward in SEC play, I said this, I've said it for the first two days of the week, and I'll say it again. If Auburn can't get out of their own way when it comes to injuries, you're going to be in a world of hurt by the time you play a Mississippi State team, by the time you play Alabama at the end of the year and try to get into a decent bowl game. Got to find a way to stay healthy. And it gets that much harder when you're playing against SEC level talent. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. Would love to hear from you on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll have question of the day when we come back. I'll go ahead and give it to you before we get to break. With the Texas A&M game coming up this Saturday, where does it rank amongst the most important for Auburn in 2023. Daryl Dappert had some interesting comments about this yesterday. He brought it up, and I'm basing this question off of what he had to say. Where do you rank the Texas A&M game this season on the most important for Auburn in 2023? 334-321-1390. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I mentioned with it being Wednesday, it's time to start looking towards the weekend. Uh, For week four of college football, um, SEC play really opening up this weekend. A couple teams have played SEC games, but um, most SEC squads are getting underway with conference opponents this weekend. Uh, That includes Auburn, of course, playing on the road at Texas A&M. And one thing that Auburn can hang their hat on that not many other teams in this conference can, Auburn is one of, I believe, five teams in the conference that can say that they are 3-0. and Auburn, Ole Miss, Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's 3-0. and Wild, I know. But Auburn's one of the few teams in the conference that can say they're 3-0. and When you look ahead at the schedule, the next four games are brutal. They are. They are brutal. And Hugh Freeze said so on Monday when he talked about and was comparing the recruiting classes and recruiting ranks of their next three opponents compared to what Auburn has done in the past. And he's absolutely right how Texas A&M, Georgia, and LSU have been borderline top 10. I mean, Georgia and Texas A&M are top three every year, but then you throw in LSU, and just to make it a simple argument – 
They've been top 10 in recruiting for the last how many years? And Auburn, in the last few years, haven't even sniffed the top 10. So recruiting in the in the recruits and the players' rankings to set up head-to-head, the next three teams for sure are more talented than you based off recruiting rankings and based off of stars and numbers and all of that. But Hugh Freeze made a good point. He said, doesn't mean you can't win the football game. Doesn't mean you can't compete. But you have to look at, and you got to be honest, where Auburn is supposed to be playing teams that are better than them. Just flat out. And that's why Auburn will probably not be favored in their next three games. Probably won't be favored in their next four games. With Texas A&M on the road. Home for Georgia, at LSU, and home for Ole Miss. And I bring up question of the day today based off of something Daryl Dapperich said yesterday. He's my weekly Tuesday guest at 3.30. He said that this is one of the most pivotal games on Auburn's football schedule because of how the schedule shapes up and how it shapes out. The next four games are extremely crucial for Auburn. You're 3-0 and this season. That's a great start. Your next four, as I mentioned, are A&M, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. That's a brutal stretch. That's as brutal as it gets in the SEC without throwing Alabama in there. Three really good SEC West opponents and the best team in the SEC with Georgia. That's a tough four-game stretch for anybody. But after that, once you get through that, you limp your way through that somehow, You have a chance to really make up for it. Mississippi State at home, road trip to Vanderbilt in Arkansas, home for New Mexico State, and then the Iron Bowl at home this year against an Alabama team we all know doesn't look all that scary as of right now. So the next four games Daryl was talking about are extremely crucial. And I agree with him when he says this. Borderline over the next four games. You have to win one if you're Auburn. You have to win one. You're 3-0 and right now. If you win just one of your next four, you're 4-4. Four and four. Don't flip out. Don't worry. You've got a good chance to beat Mississippi State and be 5-4. and four. Vanderbilt, be 6-4. and four. You're going to a bowl game. On the road at Arkansas, toss up. Let's say Auburn wins it. You're 7-4. and four. New Mexico State, you're 8-4. and four with a chance to beat Alabama and be a nine-win team in year one under Hugh Freeze. Sounds good to me. I think any Auburn fan would take nine and four in year one under Hugh Freeze. Let's say you lose the Arkansas game. Then you beat Alabama. You're an eight-win team. Not too bad. But all of that falls back to the next four games and having to win just one of them. And based off of the teams right now and the status of the teams and the opponents right now, Auburn's best chance to win one of their next four games is this Saturday on the road at Texas A&M. Georgia's the number one team in the country. LSU's number 12. Ole Miss is number 15. A&M's not ranked. And Miami gave you, they gave you the film on how to beat Texas A&M. So as of right now, I put this Texas A&M game near the top of the most crucial games on Auburn's schedule in 2023. Because if you win this one, you set yourself up 
for later on down the road in the schedule. If you lose, you're staring down the barrel of what could be an 0-4 stretch and really having to get hot down the stretch of the season and putting a lot more stake into that Alabama game than there already is. You cannot go 0-4. If you go 0-4, you're going to be fighting from behind. Then you have to beat Mississippi State, and that's not a place you want to be. You don't want to be in the spot where you have to beat Mississippi State or where you have to beat Vanderbilt or you have to beat Arkansas. You don't want to have that. You want to go in there and feel good and confident and beat those teams like you're supposed to do because you're more talented than those teams. But that all starts with a win this Saturday on the road at Texas A&M before you play three straight top 15 programs in college football. It's a big weekend for Auburn. And I think they have a chance to do it. But it's crucial you get one of the next four. I don't care where it is. I'm just saying your best chance to do it's this weekend against Texas A&M. Speaking of one of those four teams, the Georgia Bulldogs, we'll talk with Jordan Hill about that Georgia team as they come off a win versus South Carolina. Don't go anywhere. He'll join us when we come back. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio, and we welcome in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Wednesday guest at 2.30 every single week. Jordan, hope you're doing well, man. Um, Are the vibes okay now that Georgia escaped with a win over South Carolina, a comeback win on Saturday? Definitely. You know, I think there's plenty of fans that uh, still have their questions. I think a lot of them reside over on the junkyard at Dogs 24-7. But, yeah, you know, I I think uh, fans had a chance to kind of catch their breath, especially with the way Georgia played in that second half, to be able to score three unanswered touchdowns, be able to keep South Carolina's offense uh, sort of at bay after halftime. A lot of fans were on edge. There was plenty of people who were on upset alert in that game, and rightfully so, but yeah, I think for the most part, people are feeling pretty good. I'm sure they appreciated the fact that uh, Georgia was just able to get the job done in the end. That was the, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the closest regular season game Georgia has played since on the road at Kentucky in last November in a game that was 16-6, to um, where Georgia uh, won by 10 there. They win by 10 this Saturday or this last Saturday against South Carolina. Jordan, what did you what you see? What is your breakdown of this game where the dogs started out slow? South Carolina took the 14-3 lead, uh, but then Georgia obviously came back to win the football game. But just your your breakdown of what happened there with Georgia against South Carolina. Well, let's make sure and not forget about that Peach Bowl against Ohio State. That would probably be the other one between Kentucky and South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it kind of bowled down in the first half. You know, especially being able to rewatch it, uh, it's just uh, kind of a matter of possessions. You know, with the new clock rules, there's not as many plays um, and certainly not as many possessions. And South Carolina kind of came into the game and decided, look, we're going to kind of work our way down the field, um, just kind of work the clock. And, and that really showed up in the first half. Georgia, I think, only had four possessions and had a punt, uh, had one driving in and a field goal, might have had another punt and then a missed field goal. Uh, just before halftime, and 
that's just sort of the situation Georgia found itself in. There wasn't a whole lot of margin for error in the first half as far as chances to score and you know missed opportunities on those chances to score. I had one drive uh, that stalled out. Uh, you know, I thought it was pretty reasonable the fact that uh, it didn't work out that they weren't able to score there. Uh, that there was one call on Brock Bowers, a no call probably would have been defensive pass interference, but Georgia got shut out of the end zone. And then on another drive, again, got toward the red zone, just wasn't able to score. And then you have your freshman kicker who honestly has struggled quite a bit and misses a pretty makeable field goal. Uh, and, you know, Georgia just didn't have the ball a whole lot in that first half. And to South Carolina's credit, I thought Spencer Rattler had a great, you know, really probably three quarters, and the pressure was sort of on him in the fourth, and uh, receivers dropping the ball in the rain, just some missed opportunities. But Spencer Rattler showed up ready for another upset. He's played so many good games against top ten opponents, and uh, he had another one going in that first half. Georgia um, just, you know, missed out on opportunities on offense, had some chances on defense. The very first drive South Carolina had, had him in a third and 15 just outside of uh, the 15 and missed some tackles and a screen goes for a 17-yard touchdown. So, you know, it was little things. I don't think it's enough uh, if you're a Georgia fan to just totally panic, but you see what the competition is going to be like in SEC play. You, you really put yourself in a bad situation being down 11 at halftime. And uh, luckily for Georgia, they went in the locker room, figured out what they needed to do, uh, came out firing on offense and really – settled down on defense and was able to get the job done. I don't normally do this, but this is a two-part question. At the half, when Georgia was down by 11, um, has Kirby Smart said anything or did anybody ask about what the, what the uh, I guess, the, the vibe was in the locker room, if there was any stress from the team? Has, has Kirby said anything about that? And then at the half, I know you were monitoring uh, the message boards there at Dogs 247. What were the fans saying and thinking at the halftime as well when Georgia was down double digits? Uh, starting with the vibe, you know, we talked to some of the players after the game, and everyone said everybody was calm, everybody was cool and collected. And, and Kirby's message, which has uh, gone out a little bit on social media from SEC Inside, you could see a, a clip of him talking. Uh, he really stressed a moment at a time. and even said that on CBS when he's talking to Jenny Dell getting ready to go into the locker room. was, hey, we got to win it a moment at a time. We get the ball to start the third quarter, which is big. Um, it, it seemed like everybody was sort of on the same page. And I think it started from the top of Kirby Smart. But, you know, we, Even when they were losing and the shots they showed on CBS during the game, you didn't see him throwing his headset. You didn't see him you know, in a player's face. It's kind of calm, just sort of riding the wave and seeing what happens. And I think that that kind of spread, and I think that's why you didn't really see a panic. Uh, as far as what fans had to say, you know, uh, I, I try to take some of the stuff on there with a grain of salt. You know, everybody always thinks the offense doesn't start quick enough. Uh, Mike Bobo doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sure <laughs> Auburn fans can, can remember uh, those days. Oh, yes. Uh, but, but I think by the third quarter, they sort of saw the tide turning and, uh, and I don't think you can just, you know, shoo this game away and say, well, they won. You know, there's plenty of stuff they need to clean up, and there's a lot of questions right now. Uh, you've got a freshman kicker that has really struggled out of the gate. Could we see a different kicker there? And probably the biggest one right now is Amarius Mims, the starting right tackle, is out. Um, don't know when he's going to get come back. He had to have tightrope surgery on his ankle. Um, so he's going to be out for a little bit. What are you going to do with the offensive line? So uh, I think on the whole, cooler heads prevailed on Saturday, uh, but there's 
plenty I'm sure that they've learned, but uh, they still got several questions they've got to answer uh, before two weeks from now when they're going to Jordan Hare. One of those questions, I'm curious on if you are still on this. You talked to me all offseason and even early on this season, Jordan, about Georgia's running back problem and the injury problem that they've had. Um, Georgia ran for nearly 200 yards, 190 on the ground in 44 attempts with just over four yards per rush. Is that still a concern or maybe moving forward if Georgia can establish the run game to help out Carson Beck? I think it's still it's still a concern, and part of it is, what it was when we spoke in the offseason, it's injuries. Uh, Kendall Milton has re-aggravated an MCL, so we're not sure uh, what he'll be able to do, if he'll be able to play against UAB. It, it seems like Kirby Smart is hopeful he'll be back, but we'll see. And, and they may be, uh, you know, take some precaution and not play him in that game against UAB. And uh, and then Roderick Robinson, who uh, in those first couple games when Dejan Edwards, who had such a big game against South Carolina, Roderick Robinson was sort of the lead back in the game since UT Martin and Ball State. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. He only played a play against South Carolina and gets hurt. Um, so it's sort of they're right back to the drawing board when it comes to guys being banged up. I will say that they have to feel a whole lot better that Dejan Edwards is playing. Um, you know, the run game just didn't look like it have much, had much of a spark in the first two games, and Dejan wasn't able to play as he was uh, recovering from an MCL. They were being uh you know taking precautionary measures trying to let him heal up comes out in his first game uh, there against south carolina goes over 100 yards uh, i think they feel good on that front they just sort of need numbers uh, i'll be curious what the rotation looks like against uab uh, probably a little bit of dejun but um, probably also some cash jones some andrew paul savon clark uh Lynette whitehead a guy a walk-on they got from tennessee uh, I think you'll see a healthy dose of some walk-ons playing in this game against the Blazers uh, as they try to heal up because they know um, they're going to have quite a battle on their hands when they go to Auburn. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, who joins me every Wednesday during On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 with us right now on the phone lines. Um, as we flip the page and look towards week four of college football, before we get your quick thoughts on the UAB game, shouldn't be too much of a problem uh, for Georgia. That is at home at 6.30 on Saturday night on ESPN2. When you look around the SEC, Georgia, of course, struggled um, out of the gate. Of course, their first two games, they didn't look great early. They then picked it up up and got big victories and then the South Carolina game where they had to come back and win Georgia's not the only one that struggled most of the SEC is in that boat too as well Jordan I'm curious on what uh, Georgia their perspective is on the rest of the SEC and the slow start for the conference so far well it's pretty interesting and my co-worker and a guy I think Auburn fans will remember Benjamin Wolk uh, pointed out that the undefeated teams that are left in the SEC besides Georgia well, they play each of them. It's kind of funny thinking about Missouri and Kentucky and Auburn, some of those teams that have still not lost this year. They, they are teams that Georgia's still got to play. And it's kind of funny when you consider uh, that a lot of the offseason, you know, we spent, and I think rightfully so, sort of critiquing the schedule. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to get a very good gauge on the SEC right now. Alabama playing the way it is. I'm very surprised by how Tennessee played against Florida, seeing that loss. Um, and, and, again, I think this weekend, uh, it's kind of interesting having Georgia play a night game against UAB, uh, but I am happy that it kind of lets me get a chance to watch the rest of the conference. Really going to be watching that Auburn Texas A&M game, also watching Ole Miss and Alabama. There's still a whole lot to learn about this SEC, and sort of when you look at Georgia, and yeah, I think it's fair to say that the South Carolina game was disappointing on the whole, 
uh, you're kind of at the point when you're in the SEC and how other teams have struggled that you say, look, we're still undefeated. We got to 1-0 in SEC play. It wasn't exactly how we drew it up, but uh, it could be a whole lot worse if you just look at some of the other teams in the conference and how things have gone so far. I'm always curious on what Kirby Smart has to say about each opponent coming into game week because, I mean, he's proven to be one of the the best coaches in college football. He proves and always has interesting comments about games and opponents and particular players and stuff like that. So, uh, Jordan, have you guys had a chance to meet with Kirby Smart this week preparing for UAB? And if so, what did he have to say? Yeah, you know, honestly, not a ton of talk about UAB. That's probably more on us as a beat media than uh, than Kirby. I mean, he has talked a good bit about Trent Dilfer. So he doesn't really have uh, much of a personal relationship with him, but he's talked to him in the past. You know, Trent did so much work um, helping quarterbacks, sort of tutoring and, and working closely with high school quarterbacks. And every once in a while, uh, Kirby would reach out, you know, when they were looking at certain prospects where he'd get his idea on things. Uh, Kirby said all the right things, but you know I'll be honest, this is not a good UAB team. I think this is a team that's really going to struggle in Sanford Stadium. They're coming off a really, really poor performance against UL Lafayette. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see things going well. But Kirby said all the right things, saying you know they need to show up and get ready to go. Uh, but it was pretty telling in his Monday press conference. Talked a lot about. Georgia, a lot about the injuries, and then it was like, hey, I'm ready for questions. Oh, yeah, we play UAB. We respect them. We're ready to go. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely tough for a coach, especially like Georgia, or Kirby Smart at Georgia, knowing just how, look, just being honest, how much better your football team is than your opponent in this week. And so uh, I think a better question, Jordan, is how does Georgia – work on some things, and what do they work on before the game you've alluded to a few times? Auburn next week here on the Plains in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I honestly think the biggest thing is just getting more guys ready, and I'll point to the secondary. You know, Last week, Javon Buller did not play against South Carolina. Had David Daniel Sisavon play in his place, and he really struggled. He gave up one really big play to Xavier Leggett um, that really got South Carolina going just before halftime. Uh, getting that guy more reps, you know, I, I'm not sure if Javon Bullard will play. I think they're working to try to get him uh, where he can play against UAB. Um, but, you know, cooler heads kind of prevail if you say, hey, let, let's just let him sit. Let's give uh, David Daniel Sisavon another game to, to sort of get this under his belt. They did a really good job against UT Martin and Ball State, just rotating in several different guys, including a whole lot of freshmen. Uh, that's where I sort of see this being an advantage. They're a very beat-up team. Uh, on Monday, Kirby said that uh, the, the head athletic trainer had told him that their injury list is longer than it's ever been since he's been there. Um, so that's quite a statement. You know, they, they need to get a lot of guys reps. They need to get a lot of guys ready because they understand that uh, you know uh, some of these guys may have to play big moments. Some may have to play right away, and uh, some may uh, need to play down the line as we get into October, November, and understanding that uh, you know it's only going to get tougher and only going to be more bumps and bruises along the way jordan hill of dogs 2470 joins me every wednesday here during on the line for rivalry wednesday on espn 1067 jordan as always man i appreciate you it's always a blast talking to you getting caught up on the georgia bulldogs um enjoy what should be a an easy game to cover this saturday against uab and let everybody know where they can find you and your wonderful coverage with dogs 247 Fingers crossed on that one, Jacob. That's yeah, right. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So, yeah, one Alabama opponent this week and then another next week. Uh, just, just really getting in 
uh, all kinds of competition there, and uh, definitely looking forward to next week being back in Auburn. Well, I, I was just about to ask. That's the million-dollar question. You're going to make the trip back over to Auburn next week? I mean, I, I feel like it would be a real missed opportunity if I were to stay home. Got, got to come back, and uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with you folks. That's awesome, man. Well, look, we uh, we look forward to that, and, and it should be uh, it should be a good game next weekend, and we will talk about that next week on Wednesday, Jordan. Uh, until then, take care, all right? All right, sounds great. Appreciate it. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs247. Go check it out, dogs247.com. Uh, as I always say, um, if you are subscribed to any of the 247 sites, particularly the Auburn site, you get access to the other 24-7 sites. So um, if you're subscribed to the Auburn one for uh, Christian Clemente or Nathan King, Jason Caldwell, whoever, if you're on there, you get access to Jordan's content over on Dogs247. He does a wonderful job uh, covering the Georgia football team team basketball as well and so be sure you go check that out we talk to him every week here for rivalry wednesday during on the line on espn 106.7 we'll come back and wrap up our number one here on espn 106.7 you are on the line on espn 106.7 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz with you here on ESPN 106.7. As always, we appreciate Jordan Hill and his time uh, from Dogs 247 talking about that Georgia football team with a comeback victory over South Carolina last weekend. Um, interested about his comments with Georgia, Kirby Smart, talking to the players as well that the 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 vibe and the message at halftime wasn't anything crazy and you know what I wouldn't expect anything different from a championship level team and a championship level program where they were in uncharted waters um down double digits at the half to a team that they are better than um but just being down double digits at the half just being down at the half in general is just not something that georgia has to deal with a whole lot um not surprised that the fans maybe weren't um overly pleased with the first half performance for georgia but they did come back and end up getting a double digit victory in SEC play, which I think speaks a very high value right now uh, for a league that's trying to figure itself out. But I think it's very important, if you take anything away from that conversation I just had with Jordan, Georgia's got some issues. They've got some problems, and they've got to figure those out before they have to play a, a couple of these games, including the game against Auburn next week. And I think that's what you're going to see um, from the game this weekend for Georgia playing UAB, right? It is what it is. Um, They're getting their third and final small non-conference game out of the way. They won't play any more like this. Um, They'll have SEC games the rest of the way until the Georgia Tech game there at the end of the season. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of that this weekend. Georgia getting some guys in there, trying to get better, maybe even get healthy as well before making a trip to Auburn next weekend. Uh, for for the the game against Auburn at 2.30 on CBS next week. And so um, think about this. I was talking earlier before we had Jordan on, talking about if Auburn can beat Texas A&M, right? I was talking about the next four-game stretch for Auburn and how important it is to win at least one of those games. You have to win one. Have to, I think. You have to win one for Auburn to consider this season a success given what they could do down the stretch. 
if Auburn beats Texas A&M, I've talked about this already. If Auburn wins this weekend, Auburn is 4-0. Georgia's 4-0. And I believe that Auburn would have a chance to be a top 25 team. Texas A&M not being a top 25 team kind of hurts that a little bit. And their loss against Miami, I think, really hurts Auburn's chances to become a top 25 team if they were to win this weekend. But here's the thing. If Florida can be a top 25 team, Auburn can be a top 25 team. Let's just be honest. If Auburn at 4-0 after going on the road and beating Cal and going on the road and beating Texas A&M, that should be a top 25 program compared to what Florida did in week one against Utah. They bounced back and beat Tennessee. Cool. But Auburn at 4-0, I think, would be deserving of a top 25 spot. So what that would mean is you'd have a top 25 matchup at Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium, 2.30 in the main afternoon slot on TV, end of September. Auburn would be going nuts. This town's going to be crazy. Even if Auburn loses this weekend, the town's still going to be crazy because it's the Georgia game. But I think Auburn, if you win this weekend and Georgia doesn't just overly impress against UAB, I think Auburn would feel pretty confident against Georgia. Better than they have the last couple of years. But don't get fooled. Georgia's got some of the best talent in the entire country. And if they get it figured out, they can beat anybody they want to. But look out for Georgia. They got some things to fix against UAB this week, and they've got some health issues as well. And you hope they get the health things figured out, but if you're Auburn, you got to take care of business this weekend against Texas A&M. Hour number one is in the books. Give me a call. I want to hear from you here on Rivalry Wednesday, 334-321-1390. We'll start looking ahead to the games this weekend and what is the best weekend of football so far in college football. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio as we get underway in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, go and find the podcast one of two ways, ESPNAU.com. You can click on the uh, podcast center and you'll find all of my podcasts right there, commercial free, or you can just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It's posted commercial 
commercial-free right after the show each and every day. You can also go to ESPNAU.com and you can submit your picks for our SEC football challenge um, after everybody struggled in week three. We've got some doozies in week four that you got to get on there and pick. So be sure you go and do that. Picks are due by Friday at midnight. Um, Of course, me and uh, Uncle T-Bone will make our picks live on the show on Friday so uh, be sure that you get yours in or you can join along with us on Friday and make those picks we get a we pick a weekly winner and we don't even pick it I, I say that every time we're not picking you win based off of the games that you pick so if you get the best score you win our weekly prize and then whoever has the best score at the end of the season you win all of the weekly prizes plus a 55-inch flat-screen smart TV. So be sure you're getting your picks in at ESPNAU.com. Uh, thanks to our wonderful sponsors, uh, Johnny Brusco's New York Style Pizza, the Orthopedic Clinic, uh, Tzatziki's, and twenty two ninety eight or Vintage 2298 Butcher Shop. So be sure you go and uh, submit your picks. I believe it's a Johnny Brusco's gift card this week. I think it's the weekly prize as uh, a $25 Johnny Brusco's gift card. Michaela may have to double check me on that, but um, it's a gift card this week. And then again, at the end of the year, um, whoever has the best score from all of the weeks combined, you win all those weekly prizes and a 55 inch flat screen smart TV. So be sure you do that. It's a pretty tight race right now. Um, and so get, be sure you go and do that. But speaking of um, those matchups this weekend, I want to start looking at those because there are some really, really good games this weekend in college football. I mean, some really, really good games. It's probably, or not probably, it is. It, it's the best weekend of games so far this season and I said this back in the first hour and, and and I'm sticking with it it has a chance it has a chance to be possibly the best weekend of football all season long until maybe robbery weekend or late November when you get some of those you know conference races really heating up um, across the power five level but look at the games coming up this weekend in college football folks Obviously, Auburn-Texas A&M, that is a really good game. And I know we're talking about that from an Auburn perspective, but I think you're going to have a lot of outside eyes on this Auburn-Texas A&M game. It's 11 a.m. It's on ESPN TV, right? It's it's the main game right after college game day. A&M, that line continues to move. I think it opened up at 6. It's currently Texas A&M minus 7.5 at home. I don't know. That seems like a lot of points for Texas A&M, but that's just me. But that's a good game this weekend. You know what else is this weekend? A game that maybe has never flown under the radar, but just might this weekend? How about number four, Florida State at Clemson? That game is this weekend. You haven't heard a whole lot about it, have you? No, because it's not a top 25 matchup. Because if you remember, Clemson got embarrassed by Duke on opening or not opening night it was opening weekend um, on that Monday night the Florida State Clemson game is this weekend 11 a.m. on ABC so the same time that Auburn's playing you'll have to set up your dual TVs because Florida State and Clemson play this weekend Um, you have number 16 Oklahoma playing against Cincinnati in Cincinnati Uh, Cincinnati getting into Big 12 play for the first time doesn't help that uh, the Bearcats had a bad loss, and I mean a bad loss this past weekend to Miami of Ohio. So 
not a great loss there for the Bearcats. I, I love that team, love that program, love that school, but um, not a loss that you can take as a new team in the Big 12. Um, again, I just want to go through these games. Which ones are you watching this weekend? I'm curious. Which ones have caught your eye coming up this weekend? SEC, non-SEC. Um, I, I want to hear from you. What games are you watching this weekend in college football? 334 Three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. Which games do you think are most important? Which ones carry the most weight um, when it comes to their conferences, to the college football playoff down the road? I mean, there are some big games that will have massive resume-building wins coming this weekend, coming out of the weekend for some of these teams. Um, we know the story about number nineteen, Colorado. They are on the road at number 10, Oregon, in Eugene. The Ducks and Bo Nix favored by 21 points. I love it. I think Oregon, just to give you a quick pick there, I think Oregon will roll. I've said it. I will continue to say it. I think Colorado will be brought back down to earth. And for those of you that are not a fan of the story, it's not going to completely come to an end, but it will, it will slow down this weekend, I'm telling you. But that's a top 25 matchup. In the Pac-12, you have another top 25 matchup in the Pac-12. Number 22, UCLA, quietly 3-0, on the road at number 11, Utah, who is also 3-0. What a game that's going to be. 2.30 on Fox, UCLA and Utah at the same time as Colorado and Oregon. Oh yeah, you know what else is on at that time? How about number 15, Ole Miss, and number 13, Alabama? That is three top 25 matchups playing at the same exact time. I don't love that, but I also love it at the same time. If you've got a way to put on three different games, go for it. I know uh, my YouTube TV, it's the streaming service that I use for for TV. YouTube TV now has a, um, they've got like a quad box you can do. They've got a, you know, a triple box you can do. Um, and I will for sure have that going this weekend um, once Auburn and Texas A&M go off the air. I'll be definitely having Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, and Ole Miss and Alabama all at the same time. That's crazy. But how good is that going to be? Those are going to be three really, really good games, and Ole Miss ought to be feeling really good. Alabama favored by six and a half. There are people saying that Ole Miss should be favored in this game. There are people saying that Alabama should be the underdog in this game on Saturday. When's the last time that happened? Alabama was A, an underdog, and B, an underdog versus Ole Miss, or C, an underdog at home. If you've got those stats, let me know. I'd love to hear it. And we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central coming up later on in the show in about 20 minutes we'll get his thoughts on this game because Alabama's got some things to work on not just quarterback that's a major problem for sure but they've got bigger issues well not bigger but they have other issues as well but three top 25 matchups at the same time on Saturday that's going to be awesome at 2 30 this upcoming Saturday outside of those games there are still other good ones there are still good games going on outside of that 2 30 slate A big game in the SEC, a big game in the SEC West, Arkansas coming off of a can't-have-it loss against BYU, and now you have to respond and go on the road to LSU, number 12 team in the country, for a 6 o'clock kick there in Baton Rouge at Tiger Stadium. 
That's a big, big worry for Arkansas. Coming off a loss at home against BYU and having to pick yourself up off the mat and go play against an LSU team that over the last two weeks has looked really, really impressive. If Arkansas can find a way to keep it close, credit to them. Credit to them. But there's a chance that Arkansas starts 2-2 two and two and having to play out the rest of their SEC West schedule could be bad there in Fayetteville. But it has a chance to be a really good game. Has a chance to be a blowout. How about another top 25 matchup? Guess what conference this is from? The Pac-12. That's their third top 25 matchup this weekend out of the Pac-12. Number 14, Oregon State, 3-0, traveling to Pullman, Washington to take on number 21, Washington State. 6 o'clock on Saturday on Fox. I don't care what you say about the conferences right now. I don't care what you say about the teams in those conferences right now. I told you that the Pac-12 would be one of the best, if not the best, conference in college football. You may not know it by the end of the year because they're all going to play each other and they're all going to beat each other up. And here's your prime example. You have six top 25 teams all playing each other from the same conference this weekend, which means these teams that are 3-0 and are going to take a loss. And then they're going to turn around and play other teams that are 3-1 and and another team's going to take a loss. And they're going to fall out of the top 25. There are good teams in the Pac-12. I think there are teams that can compete with anybody else in college football in the Pac-12. Colorado is not one of them. UCLA is not one of them. Oregon State and Washington State are not either one of them. But I still think those are good football teams. Oregon and Utah? Yeah, those are good teams that I think at their best and at their strength can hang with almost anybody in college football. What a great weekend of games. I mean, what a great weekend. That doesn't even include Texas going on the road to Baylor, which Baylor's not a great place right now, not a good spot to be in. They're one and two. Doesn't include two more top 25 matchups. One of these games is a top 10 matchup. We'll start with number 24, Iowa, on the road at number 7, Penn State, 630 Saturday night on CBS. There's your Big Ten on CBS. That's, that doesn't sound right, does it? Doesn't sound right, but Iowa on the road at Penn State. If you're a fan of no points and defense and lack of offense, you can tune into that one. It'll be boring, but it'll be entertaining. And then where college game day is this weekend. Top 10 matchup. Two of the biggest names in college football. Two of the biggest programs in the history of the sport. Number six, Ohio State. On the road at number nine, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 4-0, if you forget. They had that week zero win. They're 4-0. Ohio State's 3-0. Notre Dame has a Heisman candidate at quarterback right now in Sam Hartman. Ohio State, are they confident in McCord now? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. They started out slow, and the Ohio State offense hasn't looked all that great. But it's still a top 10 matchup. And Ohio State hasn't really played anybody. And they've started slow in all their games. But they're still 3-0 and number 6 team in the country. What an opportunity for Notre Dame. Because I told you before the season, Notre Dame can play spoiler 
to almost every conference, major conference in college football. They play Ohio State, they play USC, and they play Clemson, which over the past few seasons have been the best teams from their respective conferences. Clemson, not looking as great, but can turn that right around with a win over Florida State this weekend. USC, they're doing fine. Believe me, they're doing just fine out in the Pac-12. And now you have a chance to take down Ohio State, who is either one or two in the Big Ten with Michigan right there with them. What a great game that's going to be Saturday night on NBC. Ohio State favored by three. It's kind of crazy. Their offenses look terrible. And Notre Dame has looked good. Sam Harmon is in the Heisman conversation through four weeks of football for Notre Dame. But how about that? That is awesome this weekend. Looking outside the top 25, Mississippi State on the road at South Carolina, that's a sneaky good game on Saturday night. 6.30 on the SEC Network, Mississippi State coming off a bad performance against LSU, needing a bounce back, taking on South Carolina, who if they lose this will fall to 1-3 and three on the season. I don't know if Mississippi State's defense can hang with Spencer Rattler. They let Jaden Daniels throw all over the yard. But if they could go in there and find a way to get that win, what a big-time win that would be for Mississippi State. And it's a big chance for South Carolina to get back on track against Mississippi State. Great football this weekend. I'm excited for it. Again, it's one of the, if not, it's the best weekend so far for college football. And if it goes like I think it can, it could be the best weekend we have all season. You have one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. You have six top 25 matchups this weekend in college football. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. Six top 25 matchups on one Saturday. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm looking forward to it. Which games are you watching? Do you have any picks for these games, predictions, comments on these games? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about our question of the day. I had it back in hour number one. Want to talk about it some more in hour number two with Auburn playing Texas A&M this weekend. Given the schedule for Auburn in 2023, the four-game stretch coming up is brutal. Where does this game rank amongst the most important for Auburn in 2023 give me a call 334-321-1390 we'll talk about that when we come back plus austin hannon of bama central joins us at the bottom of the hour don't go anywhere rivalry wednesday continues when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here during the Wednesday edition of On the Line. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. And a reminder that coming up today on The Drive, uh, you may just heard the promo for it, um, it'll be Tiger Takes at 5.30 every Wednesday on The Drive. And uh, we were talking with Keontae Scott, Auburn defensive back. um, But, of course, he uh, unfortunately – um, got injured this past Saturday and had surgery um, on his ankle on Monday. And so, again, we wish him um, nothing but the best, a speedy recovery. Hopefully, I think from what everything I heard and saw, everything went well. Um, so we wish him nothing but the best. But 
since he is going to be inactive uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, we had to and wanted to, you know, find somebody that was going to be playing and going to be able to talk with us and didn't obviously want to bother Keontae when he's trying to recover um, from from a major surgery. So um, we and I was able to uh, line up a new Tiger Takes guest and very excited to uh, to talk with him every single week. Um, I think Auburn, I think you Auburn fans are really, really going to like it. You've heard from him already uh, with the media. Um, he is already shown that he is an electric player on the defensive side of the football. Um, he is um, now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a co-defensive player of the week in the SEC. He is the leading tackler for Auburn on defense so far and it is Eugene Asante. So excited to have him uh, be a part of ESPN 106.7. Talk with him every single week. It'll still be like it has been with Keontae Scott. I interview, I'll be interviewing Eugene Asante on Wednesday morning. So I interviewed him this morning. And The Drive will play that back uh, on their show every weekday at 5.30. And the reason we're having to do it that way um, is because Auburn has practice every single afternoon. And in the past, Auburn... Uh, and we've been able to get guys on the show, whether it be John Samuel Shanker for football or Zeb Jasper, who we had for basketball. Uh, we had Tyler Kirby uh, or Justin Kirby, excuse me, for uh, baseball this past season. They were able to join the drive live in the afternoons around their practice and class schedules. But with Hugh Freeze and the new Auburn football schedule, um, they're practicing every day in the afternoons at 530 during the drive. So um, I don't think Hugh Freeze would let them step away from practice to talk to Bill and Dan. So um, I'm able to interview them in the mornings. And so uh, that's the process that we're going through right now. So I talk with Eugene Asante every single Wednesday and the drive plays it back at 530 on their show. And then I play it back in the first hour of my show on Friday so be sure that you are tuning in for that um great great interview uh, really excited to talk with Eugene every single week he was excited about the opportunity um and we kind of got a chance to really recap the season from his perspective um and talk about the 3-0 and start talk about the game against Sanford his personal goals and motivations on the football field and then what they're looking forward to this weekend against Texas A&M so that'll be this coming uh today that'll be coming up this afternoon on the drive with Bill and Dan at 5 30 every single week throughout football season that's when that interview airs originally and then um if you're tuning in from two to four you can hear that on Friday afternoons at hour number one here on my show so again that is Tiger Takes with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante very very excited um, to have him uh, a part of Tiger Takes. So with that, I, I proposed the question of the day, and it's an interesting one, and it's based off of something that Daryl Daprich brought up yesterday on the show, my weekly Tuesday guest here on the show, and talking about this Texas A&M game for Auburn. And the question to you, and I'd love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334 334- 321-1390. Where does this Texas A&M game rank amongst the most important for Auburn in 2023? And I ask you that because when you look at the schedule, it is a brutal four-game stretch. I talked about this in the first hour. It's a brutal four-game stretch. Texas A&M on the road, home for Georgia, then um, you have games, uh, just a tough four-game slate with Texas A&M, Georgia. You have to play Ole Miss, and 
you have to play my mind is slipping up for whatever reason right now. But um, you play Texas A&M, Georgia at LSU. That's the game I was missing. At LSU and then home for Ole Miss. That's a tough stretch because after this weekend, as of right now, you're playing three top 15 programs in a row. Two are at home, thankfully, and one of them is on the road at Baton Rouge. And I ask you the question, where do you rank this as the, one of the most important games for Auburn in 2023? Because I think it is. And here's my reasoning. Over these next four games, Auburn has to win one. For you to want to have a successful season by the end of it with a good-looking record, doesn't have to be great. Auburn fans, I don't think, are expecting a 10-win season. And if you are, check yourself. Because it's not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen to start the season, and it's still not going to happen. And if it does, I will gladly tell you that I was wrong. But for Auburn to look at the end, by the end of the season, and look back and say, wow, that was a successful first year under Hugh Freeze. I think Auburn fans would want to see anywhere between seven and nine wins. And for that to realistically happen, you need to win one of the next four. Because let's say you don't. You're 3-0 and right now. You lose out your next four. You're 3-4. and You then have five games to win at least four. One of those is the Iron Bowl. You would have to win four of your next five or four of your last five to get to just seven wins. But if you beat one of your next four, and the reason I put Texas A&M as possibly the most important game is because it's probably your most winnable game. It's probably your most winnable game of the season. And so I think, well, not of the season, but of this four-game stretch, I feel like the Georgia game, sure, I mean, you're at home, anything's possible, I guess. On the road at LSU is going to be tough. And the game against Ole Miss is going to be tough if they continue to play like they are. If they continue to play like they are, that's going to be a tough game. Thankfully, that is a game at home against Ole Miss. But I just feel like this game this Saturday, you have a chance to win if you're Auburn. And imagine if you win, you're 4-0 when Georgia comes to town. Anything is possible at that point. Anything is possible. When you're 4-0, they're 4-0, Jordan-Hare Stadium's rocking, everybody in the country's watching that game. If Auburn could somehow win two out of the next four, then you're really looking good. Then you're in a really, really good spot. Because after that, you've got Mississippi State, who you're going to feel good about. You've got Vanderbilt, who you're going to feel good about. You have Arkansas, which by that point, you could feel pretty good about. New Mexico State, you're going to win it. And who knows what Alabama will be by that point. Imagine if you win two of the next four. Then you're five and two, six and two, seven and two, eight and two if you beat Arkansas, nine and two if you beat New Mexico State. And a win in the Iron Bowl would give you a 10-win season in year one under Hugh Freeze. I'll gladly say I was wrong if that does end up happening. We got to get to a break. When we come back, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us as we get and continue on a rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 1067. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk to him about that Alabama team 
And what in the world happened in South Florida on Saturday? You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We have 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you here on a rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. And as we continue that trend, we have Austin Hannon of Bama Central with us on the phone lines. He joins us every Wednesday at 3.30. And Austin, look, I'm, I'm going to let you control how we go about this. Should I just open up the floor and, and let's let you ramble for 15, 20 minutes, or do you want it to have a little bit of a conversation? Your, your, your call, man. We can do it however you want. I mean, back, 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 back weeks now, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I think you said something, you said something similar to, uh, at the beginning of last week's segment, and uh, we, we can handle this however you want. Well, I don't typically anticipate two weeks in a row of of disappointing play from a Nick Saban-led Alabama team, but man, that's exactly what we had on Saturday when Alabama traveled to South Florida, a game they were favored by, what, was like 36 points by the end of by kickoff, and, and Alabama had to scramble and find a way to get a win against that South Florida team. Austin, what happened, man? Yeah, it's just another case of, you know, they didn't really show up to play very well. I mean, you saw the same thing in the fourth quarter against Texas where the game kind of fell apart. Um, they, they obviously go with a completely different quarterback plan um, than we had seen earlier in the year. Obviously, Jalen Monroe starts the first two games. Didn't even touch the field one time on Saturday. Um, there, there's been a lot of speculation about why that was and, and why he didn't play and um, why it was Buckner then Simpson based off the performances that we saw from each of them. Um, and so there's plenty of question marks all the way around on every side of the ball, every position group, every coach um, at this moment. But, you know, I think the weirdest part of all of it was just kind of not, not necessarily the um, not caring, but, you know, it seems like Nick Saban after the game wasn't too um, disappointed, if you will, in his team's effort. Um, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been a, a massive, you know, red siren blaring going off. Um, what's going on? Is, is everything fine? Is everything falling apart? And he kind of just said, you know what? I liked how they competed and, you know, they played a tough game and they won the tough game. So um, now, of course, early this week, we had Lane Kiffin coming out and saying that Alabama's changed defensive coordinators because of the play calling. And um, Saban comes out on Monday and names the starting quarterback. He says that Kevin Steele is the defensive coordinator. Um, it's all kind of chaos is going on and it's shaping up to be um, quite the weekend here in Tuscaloosa. You've got Ole Miss coming in. You've got Lane Kiffin coming in, who hasn't beaten Nick Saban before. Pete Golding's obviously the defensive coordinator. Um, so a lot of storylines, a lot of things going on. And, and really, I mean, an early, early you know, season collision you know, that might decide the future of this SEC West um, this season. And it's the first of two huge home games um, against LSU and Ole Miss for Alabama this year. Yeah, there's just – you said it best. There's just so many different storylines right now um for it's surrounding this Alabama team this Alabama program uh want to start with the obvious one where Alabama was going into the game on Saturday against South Florida with a new quarterback they were starting Tyler Buckner um taking out Jalen Milrow he had a, an average performance we saw Ty Simpson get in there as well um and now Milrow seems to be the starter this weekend against Ole Miss I mean did Alabama get find the answers they were looking for or is it just Jalen Milrow is the best 
best of a bunch that just maybe doesn't have it. I guess we'll find that out soon. I mean, that, that's that's going to be found out at some point. Uh, they've got a lot of tough games still on the schedule, home and road, um, and it's SEC season. So, I mean, this is this game right now is the breaking point for Alabama. I know a lot of people said that was the Texas game, and maybe it was last week, and maybe this team just needs, you know, over and over again, these more chances, more opportunities to make itself look worse. But uh, this really is that moment. I mean, this is where the season takes its big turn. Um, you, you're finally playing conference teams that will determine if you make the SEC championship or not, which that is important to teams in the SEC, um, and that includes Alabama. Even a team like Alabama and Georgia that have won so many national championships, you still get up for the SEC championship. You still want to win the West, um, and then you still want to win your rivalry games. And you know that, that's one of those kind of things that maybe coming to an end in college football, especially with all the realignment and uh, all the scheduling changes and everything like that, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State, your next two opponents, are teams that have been really big rivalries for you forever, and uh, they're both teams that you're probably not going to see every year for the future. So uh, it starts this week. You know, it's a great matchup. Everybody likes seeing Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban. Um, the quarterback thing is is it appears right now it's, it's finished. Uh, earlier today, Nick Saban said that the cake he felt like was done baking, um, and he he's ready to take it out and, and see how it goes. So uh, whatever happened last week in practice to Jalen Moreau that forced him not to play whether it was attitude problems, whether it was them just being outplayed by the other two in practice. Um, all of that seems to be in the rearview mirror. Uh, and, and it's going to be Jalen Monroe, it seems like, not just this week, but what's the foreseeable future for Alabama. So um, he, he, we, everybody knows what the trick, the key of the trick is for him. It's going to be protecting the football. And uh, how can Tommy Reese and, and everybody on the coaching staff kind of shift this team into his favor and shift the playbook into his favor? And if you do that, I think you, you can still – salvage this season i mean obviously you're two and one you did win that game by two touchdowns so it's not like you went to south florida and you lost because that was very much on the table for a while mm-hmm. uh that they did get the win and so everything's still as they say in front of them yeah and, and i think there's something to be said about that it doesn't have to be said often about alabama but a win is a win um and and look auburn dealt with that a couple of weeks ago when they went on the road to cal i mean auburn was in that same situation a horrible performance couldn't do anything offensively and auburn just found a way to win the game on the road and that's exactly what alabama had to do but again that just hasn't been the case very often under nick saban where they go in and you're favored by 36 and they normally win it by 45 or more but Alabama did win the game they are two and one after uh, just a, a crazy game and performance uh, a middle you know middle of the pack performance for the offense defense did their job what does Alabama focus on this week to flip the page because you've already mentioned Ole Miss who does come to Tuscaloosa we know what this game has been in the past uh, we know what Lane Kiffin is and just how vocal he is about um, himself and his program playing Alabama so how does the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban flip the page and what do they work on this week to prepare it's a great opportunity to do so I mean you're going to be on the national stage you're going to be on CBS in the middle of the afternoon you're going to have a lot of eyes so if if you had any opportunity to kind of put to bed everything that you've done the last two weeks and kind of try to get it out of your head, it's right now because it's, it's a national audience. You're going to have a big game. You've got uh, Lane Kiffin and the Rebels who think that they can absolutely win what looks like a pretty poor SEC West this season. So um, they've got championship aspirations in terms of the Southeastern Conference, and I hope that I, I would believe that Alabama has the same uh, still at this point in the season because the last two games they've struggled and have been outside of conference. Uh, and can they just get back to what you know they, they thought they were going to be before the Middle Tennessee game? Which, when we talked after that game, it was it was pretty positively 
um, about this Crimson Tide team because they looked like maybe everything was coming together. And then for three quarters against Texas, you kind of have a – you're trading blows with another pretty good team. And then the fourth quarter just kind of falls out from under you. But last week, I think, was a completely different thing. Um, so you, you've got to figure out a way to get all of that behind you. Um, and I, I think that the, the, that naming Jalen Miller the quarterback on Monday and kind of asserting your confidence back in him um, and before, with a whole week ahead of you and, and, you know, the whole team now can kind of get behind him and realize that the quarterback competition is not really a distraction anymore. Uh, they can kind of get behind Miller as a leader and, you know, I think that it all comes down to the offense and the offensive scheming. I think they have to find a way to use him the right way. Um, there, there's nothing to really analyze from last week, obviously, because you didn't see the field. So you just go back to the Texas game and what went wrong. So um, he's got to protect the football. They've got to drop some more quarterback design run. And not even just that, just some kind of RPO, something where you can keep the defense on its on its toes. And that's something they should be able to do. I mean, Jalen Murrow is a great talent. Um, you just have to find a way to use him and use him the way that he can have success and where he can be a leader for this team. Um, and I don't think that's the way that they use him against Texas, but um, I think a lot of the focus this week for that program has been figuring out how Jalen Morrow is going to fit into their scheme. He covers the Alabama Crimson Tide and writes for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site over in Tuscaloosa. Austin Hannon joining us on the phone lines here for Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. What is it about this Ole Miss offense that maybe concerns Alabama? Jackson Dart, 45 of 68 this season, 852 yards, seven touchdowns to just one interception. Uh, We know Ole Miss, they like to throw the football. They like to score points and make some noise on the offensive side. So what seems to be the better side of the football right now for Alabama defensively, how do they slow down Jackson Dart in this Ole Miss offense? Yeah, I think really in in recent years when Ole Miss and Alabama have played each other, it's not been – um, maybe exactly how people were afraid of it going to be if you're an Alabama fan, just because obviously the big thing with Lane Kiffin has been offense his whole career, and uh, that's really where he's made his, his money. But I think Alabama's defense you know, has played pretty well against Ole Miss in the last few years, um, including the last two years. The last time they were in Tuscaloosa was the Get Your Popcorn Ready game with Matt Corral, and a lot of Alabama fans were uh, you know, pretty not, not confident in that game, I wouldn't say. Uh, just because at that point in the season, you didn't really know what the Alabama team was going to be. That was the first year Bryce Young was starting. Uh, you didn't have great running back play. You know, you were a little, there were some question marks on defense, and they came to Tuscaloosa at Alabama really dominating from the start. So um, that, that game was surprising for a lot of people. And, you know, at, at any point this season, this Alabama team could figure it out and, and play to the talent they have um, and blow out a team that, that maybe people don't expect them to just because of where the expectation is now. Um, now that they've played two bad games and they're only favored by seven points at home. You know, how does Alabama respond to that? Their back's against the wall. And in the past, things have gone pretty well in those kind of situations. Um, in the past, when Alabama's decided on a quarterback after a controversy, things have kind of started to trend in the right direction. So it's going to be about, can that happen again? Um, I think the defense is well-suited to go against Ole Miss again. I think, Mac, I think uh, Jackson Darts had a great year to start the year. Uh, he's a good quarterback. They, they weren't really officially decided on him coming into the year, but I think after three games he's kind of shown Lane Kiffin and the rest of the offensive coaches down there in Oxford that, you know, he is the guy for the job. And, of course, they got Quinchon Judkins, who's from Pike Road and uh, had a great game against Alabama last year and, of course, set the freshman record in, at Ole Miss for, for touchdowns and yards and everything else. Um, so there's a lot to deal with, but I think this, this matchup doesn't necessarily shape up in a bad way for Alabama if, if they can play 
um, up to the standard that they talk about so much. And man, I, I just don't think you can even put it into words on how important and how crucial it is that this game is being played in Tuscaloosa and not in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, it, it, I feel like the vibes would be even worse for Alabama fans if Alabama was having to travel to Oxford and go to Devon Hemingway and take on Ole Miss. So they at least get the home crowd to, to try to support them this weekend. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think they'll, they'll be excited to be back on their home field for the first time since what was a pretty bad night um, against Texas, and there was a lot of bad taste left in the mouth on the field there. So I think that the players getting back on the home field of Bryant Denny Stadium and, and getting back into a friendly home environment, which there were a lot of Alabama fans in Tampa last week, but um, as the game went on, there was a lot more green and gold in there than crimson and white. And that might have been just because of the performance that was going on in the field. But uh, yeah, they'll be excited to be back home. It's, it's a big game. There will be plenty of fans. And uh, it's really, I'm really thinking of it as this. It's just kind of one last stand for Alabama. I mean, this is kind of it. This is their last chance to kind of, um, get this season turned around in terms of the Alabama standard of, of not losing two games or more and competing for a national championship. Uh, there is nowhere to go right now. They're, the only way you can think of is up unless things go poorly again. And you look up at those standings and they're two and two after this week. And then it turns, I think the conversation's completely different if they lose this game um, the rest of the season. I, I think it becomes less of, oh, what's wrong with Alabama to, hey, this team's just not very good and they may lose four or five games. So, um, that that's where we're at right now, and I think this game's going to go a long way in deciding that. Do you have a prediction for this weekend, Austin? I mean, Alabama, they've got to find a way to score. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Stop Ole Miss and try to score uh, some points, and, and maybe Jalen Milrow can get it going for the Crimson Tide. Do you have a prediction of what you think you might see on Saturday and what Alabama's got to do to win? Yeah, I think it's going to be another tough game. And I, if we're, if we're leading lines, I'd probably take Ole Miss plus seven. Um, if, if anyone listening is interested in that, uh, I, I think it's going to be another close game, and there's no reason for me to believe that this Alabama team that we've watched the last two weeks is going to beat a team like Ole Miss that's 3-0 and is playing well and already has a ranked win, and yeah. um, they're playing with confidence, and their their coaches coaching with confidence. I think, I think that's fair, man. I really do. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I, I would say that it all just depends on the performance you get. I mean, I think on paper, um, if both teams play at their best, I think Alabama's the better team. They have the home field advantage. But can they put all the stuff that happened the last two weeks behind them and remember that, hey, we were a top-five team to start the year? Uh, Jalen Milrow, remember the performance you had against Middle Tennessee? Like, Can you play like that? Can you run the ball as effectively as you did down the stretch last week in Tampa with Roy Dell Williams and Jason McClellan? And if you can, uh, Alabama probably does win the game. And if, if they come out and play like they did last week or against Texas down the stretch in the third and fourth quarter, I think Ole Miss wins the football game. And I don't think it – I think it, get, it could get really ugly um, if, if, if Alabama plays a certain way and plays to a certain standard that they have been uh, over the last two weeks. So um, I'll, I'll lean Alabama, but if we're going to talk about line, I'll, I'm thinking Ole Miss plus seven. Yeah, it just seems like it's uncharted territory for Alabama and Nick Saban right now where you're at home against Ole Miss, a team that Alabama has had very good success against, but if they don't turn it around, yeah, I mean, you're looking at an Alabama team that's 2-2 two and two and, and and the fans are throwing in the towel on the 2023 season. It, it should be a good game on Saturday, 2.30 on CBS there in Tuscaloosa. Austin, you'll be there. You'll be covering the game. Let everybody know where they can find you, all your fantastic work, and everything else you got going on at Bama Central. Yeah, you can you can follow along at my work and everybody else's work at BamaCentral.com. If you type it in, Bama Central, Alabama SI, you can type a bunch of things into Google. It'll get you there. 
Um, and then on Twitter, you can follow me at AustinHand underscore. I will be at the game this week, and um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, hey, man, we're looking forward to watching it, and then uh, we're looking forward to talking to you next week. And, and look, for your sake, brother, I hope Alabama plays well, so that way <laughs> that way, we don't have to start the conversation off with, man, how do you want to take this thing, and how do you want to talk about how bad Alabama played? I hope they play well this weekend, and it should be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, Jacob. All right, man, we'll talk to you next week. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Wednesday here and during Rivalry Wednesday on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. There's no doubt about it. Alabama has to play better this weekend. I mean, and that's the thing. Where do you go if you're Alabama? How do you get better? There's so many different things, all the different storylines around this football program and around that team. We'll talk about that and what Austin had to say when we come back as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. It is, in fact, Rivalry Wednesday, which means we talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 and Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. So be sure you go and check those two guys out at dogs247.com and uh, bamacentral.com as well. They do a fantastic job covering their respective teams. Jordan talking about Georgia and Austin covering Alabama. So be sure you go and check them out. And be sure uh, that you check out the podcast from today if you missed any of the show. Uh, We did talk to those two gentlemen. Plus, we uh, discussed the notes from practice yesterday, a lot of injury updates for Auburn football, uh, some good updates there as well. So be sure you go and check that out. Plus, we took a look at the biggest games in college football this weekend as we look towards week four, six top 25 matchups in college football this weekend. I mean, it's going to be a really really good weekend and I know it's been a slower start to the season when it comes to big matchups big games um, across the slate but this weekend I think will make up for it you have six top 25 matchups three of those coming out of the Pac-12 how about that when's the last time they could say that in a college football season I mean it's going to be fantastic some really good SEC games um, including Auburn and Texas A&M so uh, going to be a really good weekend. So we talked about that as well. So if you missed any of the pod or any of the show, uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We'll post it commercial free right after the show today. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to Alabama, man, they've got to play better. They've got to figure it out. I mean, they have a quarterback problem. They've got a running game problem they have an offense problem it seems like the defense is okay but they're going to get tested this weekend um uh, against Ole Miss who we know is going to use Jackson Dart and sling it all over the place in Tuscaloosa and the last time they played a good throwing offense in Texas with Quinn Ewers he picked him apart and had a field day and was not afraid to challenge that Alabama DB's room and I don't think Jackson Dart and Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are going to be scared to challenge it either. And as I told Austin, they better be thinking they're lucky stars that this game is being played in Tuscaloosa because if they had to travel to Oxford this weekend, uh, I mean, I would almost give Alabama a a 0% chance to win. They would still obviously be in it, but 
man, their fans would would just have to be feeling really bad about this game if they were going to Ole Miss. Now, I still think the fans aren't feeling all that great about it because if Alabama doesn't play well, like Austin Hannon just said, this thing could get nasty on Saturday. If Ole Miss plays well, goes to 4-0, Alabama's 2-2, the season's done for the Crimson Tide. Is Nick Saban done for Alabama? All of those questions are going to arise this weekend in Tuscaloosa. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. The Drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck. They'll have Jason Caldwell in the studio as well, talking all things Auburn and SEC. But until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.